now broadcasting from Suitland, Maryland, USA, Abiding Truth with Dr. McCune, an outreach of Suitland Road Baptist Church. Please visit us at www.srbcoutreach.org. And now, here's our pastor, Dr. Calvin M. McCune. God is the Lord of history, and we have to view history from the perspective of what God has done and what he is doing. I'm not going to spend a lot of time in this sermon speaking about the theology as it pertains to God working through the lives of his children during their journey going into Egypt, coming out of Egypt, being in the wilderness. We would go through this verse and we'd appreciate that it all has to do with Christ. But what we will spend time doing today is to understand in our lives, right now, in our circumstance, whatever we are going through, to appreciate the fact that God is in control. So let's spend some time in prayer before we come before the Lord. Father in heaven, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you will use your word, that which is God-breathed, inspired, and speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus. Give us understanding. Thank you, Father. We know, God, all the scripture is to reveal you, Lord Jesus. So we thank you for what you have done and we thank you for what you're going to do. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray and we all say, Amen. So Acts chapter 13 and verses 13 is concerning Paul's first missionary journey. And Paul had Barnabas with him. He had John Mark, but John Mark did not Stay with him all the way. When they were in Perga and Pamphylia, we read that John, this is John Mark, departed and he returned to Jerusalem. On this journey, Paul started this journey in Antioch. And he would finish it in Antioch. And we read about Paul how he preached this sermon, and we actually have a copy of this sermon. How awesome. Today, oh, what the Holy Spirit placed on his heart. And to give a background here, he would be in a synagogue, and he would be speaking to the Jews. So they understand the history of what he is speaking about. It's their history. What they don't understand is how to look at that history from the perspective of God's plan of deliverance for humanity. God's plan of redemption 
that is going to be fulfilled in Christ Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is using Paul to, to understand this and then to explain it to God's people. And when we go out today and we share the gospel, we are essentially doing the same thing. We are saying to people that God established his covenant to redeem us, to bring us back to himself. We are saying to people that humanity has a sin problem. That came about not because of God, but because of man choosing to disobey God. And thus, sin came into this world. And the consequence of sin brought death, both spiritual and then physical death. We're saying to others that the chaos and wars and famines and diseases and all the problems that we face today is because of the condition of humanity. Man in his fallen state. But we're also saying to them that God is merciful. And whereby the first Adam, the man that God created, sin came. The second Adam, who is Jesus, who was formed in Mary's womb through the Holy Spirit, through Christ, he was obedient. He was tempted in all forms as we are yet without sin. That's the message we are saying to people. And then we are letting them know that we all benefit from that. It's not something that God did in history. Right now, the Jesus that walked on planet Earth almost 2,000 years ago, He's alive and he's with us and he loves you and he cares for you. That's what we are saying to people. But we're also saying to them that whatever you're going through in life, God loves you. And though he is transcendent, he is still personal. Though we cannot comprehend God, he is still personal. And he wants you to come to him through his son, Christ Jesus. And if you are saved, he wants you to experience him, experience the work that he has started in your life. And this is what Paul is saying to the people of Israel. This is what, how he, is, what he is saying to them in the, in the synagogue. <coughs> he is opening their eyes to this truth. They're familiar with their history. But he's helping them to understand Christ in both in their history and in their current situation. <coughs> Acts chapter 1, chapter 13 and verses 13. Now when Paul and his party set sail... For Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John departed from them, returning to Jerusalem. That's John Mark. The church laid their hands on Barnabas and Paul and sent them, and Barnabas' young cousin came along. This same John Mark, by the way, Peter discipled him. And then God used John Mark to write the gospel we have today called the Gospel of Mark. 
But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch of Pisidia, which is different from Antioch. Antioch is where they left. And now they're in Antioch of Pisidia. And went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. Because God says the gospel will be preached firstly to the Jews. And then it will go throughout the world. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, so they're accustomed doing that. So they're familiar with their history. The rulers of the synagogues sent to them saying, men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. So they left it open. Any words to encourage everyone? Then Paul stood up and motioned with his hand, saying, Men of Israel, you who fear God, listen. I like the way it says, listen. Pay attention to what I'm about to say, you see. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it. You see how he is speaking about God in a personal way? <coughs> They're familiar with this. God brought them out of Egypt. Now for a time, for about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. Certainly speaks about the long-suffering of God. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment, the time of after Moses, Joshua. After that, he gave them judges, for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Here we find in the scripture a definition of what is meant by a man after my own heart, one who is willing to obey God. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. <clears throat> now, as we go on in this passage, we'll find that the Apostle Paul began to place the emphasis upon the resurrected Christ. We're not going to investigate that portion today. 
But the resurrection became a very essential message in spreading the gospel. And so they will, he will defend this and he will explain surely that Jesus is Messiah and he surely is the one that you understand because you understand this from your law and your history that he is Messiah because he rose again. And so without doubt, he is Messiah. But today we want to focus on how do we look at God in our life? What is happening in our life? Today we're going to take it from the, from the broad perspective of the history of the people of Israel as they journeyed collectively as a group what God did. He guided them all along. He was with them while they were in Egypt. He brought them out through Moses. He kept them in the wilderness. God chose his leaders. God brought them into the promised land, divide up the land. God gave them the laws. They had the tabernacle. And they understood functioning within the Levitical priesthood, offering sacrifices and worshiping God. God said to them that you will be a light to the world. The world will, will look at you and see that you are worshiping me as Yahweh. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God, he is one. And that light of your worship to me will be that which will bring the world to me. And I am certain that within the individual lives as we go through, for example, during the time of the judges, we read about Samson. Here we just read the time of the judges. But we'll read about how God we know how God worked in Samson's life. Yes. And Deborah, and Gideon, and all the eight of those judges, we read about them and their information, their detail concerning their life. So, yes, we are God's church. Yes. And yes, we have been journeying through time. And yes, we have a heart like David that says, Oh dear God, my heart's desire is to obey you, to do your will. This is the only thing that makes sense to me. And in the midst of all of that, even though we are church all around the world doing God's work, God is still working, and we have to appreciate God working in our lives. We read in this text that there was a time when they were rebellious. They did not do what God told them to do. And if we are honest, there will be time in our journey after being saved that we are not doing what God wants us to do. And we will by no means, and I'm by no means saying, let's stay there because... God's grace is being displayed. God tell us, don't do that. Don't sin and say grace will abound. 
But God understands our frame. And he understands our weaknesses. But it is our responsibility to come before the Lord and to say, Lord Jesus, thank you that with everything that I'm going through in my life, in my history, there's a history of the church and God will continue to build his church. But there is a history that we have that is at the moment when you and I, when we accepted Jesus as our Savior. Are we following this? That God brought us to himself. He started that work in our lives. And we may have made, we will perhaps made decisions that are not pleasing to God. Not following through on his word. And sometimes some decisions can have long-lasting consequences. But what do we do? What we have to do is to come before the Lord and say, Father, you are Lord of my life. I may have wondered, but God, you did not move. And this is what happened to the nation of Israel. Yes, they wandered away. Yes, they rebelled. But at every given moment, when they turned back to God, what happened? They're aligning themselves again with God's purpose. That personal relationship. Are we following this? And if today, if you realize the Holy Spirit speaking in your heart, the time has gone, a few years perhaps, hopefully is not more than a few, but even if it is, just acknowledge Lord Jesus and come back to him. We may have drifted, but Christ stays as our Lord. God's plan is God's plan. And through all of this, let's take David. So God brought them out of Egypt, Moses. God raised up Joshua and they conquered the land and divided. The, now they're in the promised land and the tabernacle is set up. Praise God, they're worshiping the Lord. <coughs> God sent them judges. God sent them a king. The people asked for a king. They got a king, but that king was not after God's own heart. He defiled the very law of God, assuming a position that he should not function in. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, and he tried to function as a Levite. Doing things that God did not call him to do. Until God, that is King Saul, until God raised up David. A man after his own heart. But did David make mistakes? Yes. He made mistakes. And when he made mistakes, what did he do? Did it affect God's overall plan? No. When we make mistakes, and sometimes they are small mistakes, that we repent, we ask God forgiveness, and we go on. But sometimes there are decisions that we make that the consequence may last longer 
And sometimes there are decisions that we make that the consequences may last a lifetime. But when we come back to God, are we following where the emphasis of this message is? Yeah. When we come back to God, like David, and we admit what we did, and we say, oh dear God, in other words, it will make no sense, Father, for me to pretend that I'm going about this the right way. We admit it, like David. And we say, oh God, against you and you only have I sinned. My decision affected my relationship with you. It surely did not, in no way it's going to impede on God's greater plan. Christ is building his church regardless. Are you following that? But he, he does not love us any less when we wander away, but he surely wants us to come back. Because he wants to use us in that, his greater plan and purpose. And David came back and says, Father, against you and you only, Yahweh, have I sinned and have I done this? Then he said, create in me a new heart. And look at what God did. God took the bad decision. He took the mess that David made. And it worked out together for good. God takes it and he fits it within his overall plan. Are you following that? Just like the nation of Israel. Because of their own rebellion, they got themselves in a place where they should not have been. And they stayed there for over 400 years. And their own rebellion against God now, in fact, God referred to them as a stiff-necked people. They wandered around. But that did not thwart God's plan in any way. He is working with us collectively, and he's working with us individually. Are we following him? We already know that the focus here on this message, the overall message that Paul is giving them, is that, is that all of this, you have to understand, oh Israel, that this has to do with Messiah. The rest of the passage, right on to verses 52, he is going to emphasize that this is Jesus because of, certainly because of his resurrection. Because of all the miracles that he did. But inside of this, Inside of that theology and reality, there is this fundamental message, isn't it? God loves us. And when we make mistakes, it does not mean that we have to give our lives over to the enemy and quit. Because we may have made a bad choice, but God says, nothing shall separate you from my love. Are you following that? But the devil will come along and whisper in the mind of the child of God to stay in bondage for the rest of your life. When Jesus is saying no, neither height nor depth nor principalities, nothing, nothing will separate you from my life. 
from my love. Because I die for you, my spirit is inside of you. But how do we do that? How do we in the church age right now, 2019, we who are born again and put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, because we have this freedom to choose. And the devil attacks from all different forms. And we make these bad choices. How do we come back to God? Don't complicate it. Don't complicate coming back. We must come back. God did not move. He still loves us. But we have to turn to him. Here is how not to do it. Don't start hopping on all the mistakes that you make. All the regret I should have or should not have. Don't try to please people. Your relationship with God is your relationship with God. David did not say, Lord, I have sinned against this one and that one and what I did was horrible, surely. My commanders, um, those who are under me, he is a commander-in-chief, but surely, how do they look at me, my image, my feelings? What do other people think? Against you and you only, God, I have sent. So don't go by people. If on a journey back to God, if we listen to people, we are on the wrong track. The people themselves need to get, the ones who may be discouraging us, they need to get their act together. People have a way, and even within the church, preferably not within this church, but people have a way, God's children, of making others feel bad so that they can feel good. They'll remind you of all that you did. It is described this way. The Lord says, you're telling someone he has a speck in his eyes. In reality, you have an entire log. That's not the way to come back. Amen? And you don't come back because you have some church who sets some type of standard and says, you have to meet my standard. Now that's the one that, at this moment, if other pastors may be listening to me, I'll be stepping in a lot of feet right now. The standard is the word of God. And when the standard is the word of God, when we offend God, we come back to Jesus. I will in no way as a pastor say to you that you have to come back because you have to reach a Suglan Road Baptist Church standard. No, you come back because Jesus loves you. And yes, you may have drifted, but God has his purpose in your life. And he still loves you. But he wants you to come back. Are you following this? I have no right to try to place on you a burden. 
from which God says it is the grace of Jesus that delivers us from such a burden. God said so in his word. He says, could you save? Could you have saved yourself? And the question there, of course, the answer is no. And then he says, what make you think that since you could not save yourself, that you can then bring about spiritual growth by yourself? If the law could not save you, what make you think you can now impose the law to bring growth in your life? Okay, so all of that is dealing with what not to do. Oh, there is one I forgot. If you're doing this, stop falling for the lie of the devil that says, get into a pity party mood. Oh, woe unto me. I am the saddest person in the church, on the, in PG, in Maryland, on the planet. Woe unto me. Get out of it. Jesus has set us free. All right, so let's deal with how to get it right. Amen? Let's deal with how. It's a different perspective, isn't it? Because surely, as I said, certainly the theology of that passage has to do with God's plan through Christ that we understand. God is Lord of history. And yes, it certainly has to do with the resurrected Christ. And it certainly has to do with the gospel going forth. And it certainly has to do with the fact that God says that the gospel will reach out to go to the Jews first and then to the rest of the world. If we go on to the rest of the verses, you'll read that very clearly. But today, this is what the Holy Spirit placed on my heart to share with you. That in the midst of that, God has his purpose. And as, as we saw in the scripture, there are times when we will fail and make bad mistakes. And it may cost. It may cost 40 years. It may cost, hopefully it, it wouldn't. But are you following what I'm saying? But God, if we invite him back in, because it's a choice, isn't it? We can grieve his spirit. We did not lose our salvation, but surely... We invite a Holy Spirit and then let God, he will, he will take the mess that we made and he will bring it back into a harmony for his purpose. You got that? All right. So let's see how do we do this then. Because of course if I end the sermon here, you probably will chase me out in the parking lot. What are you doing, Dr. McHugh? So what did Jesus tell us to do? What did God tell us to do? That's what we want to do, okay? Here is what he says. He says, if you say you don't have a problem, you will just deceive yourself. That's just what the devil wants. If you try to rationalize, I'll blame somebody else. I'll blame my siblings. I'll blame the system. I'll even blame my parents. I'll blame the church. Just not to admit that I have a problem. God says if you do that, you're deceiving yourself. And the problem is the truth is not 
You're not allowing it to work in your heart. On the other hand, here's what he says. If you come before me and you are in agreement with me concerning where you're at, because remember, we belong to Jesus and we are sealed with his spirit. You come in agreement and you say, Father, I grieve your spirit. I'm responsible for those decisions that I made. I'm the only one responsible. The devil might have used different things, pain, suffering, grief, whatever happened. The devil used that, but Father, the choice, I made a choice here because I knew better. I had your word in my heart. He says, if you come before me and you admit that, like David, here is a glorious promise. Our Savior, the one through whom, as the scripture says, through David, Messiah came. Isn't it a wonderful thing when God tells us before we pray how he will answer it? That's something, isn't it? God says, if you do this, I promise you on my own word of faithfulness, God's own, his, his oath, that I will forgive you of all of your sins. And not only I will forgive you, but I'm going to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And we read in God's word that God says when he forgives us and he cleanses us, he says, I would not even remember your sin. So you don't have to think about, I'll bring it up. I, I, would, I would not. Eternal God says, I would not remember it. That's the relationship we have with God through Jesus Christ. Anything less than that is a lie of the devil. And every sin begins with a lie. Read that in Genesis. And every bondage that we stay in, it's happening because of a lie of the devil. That's why God says the truth is not in us. Come back to Jesus. Amen? Come back to him. That's the message today. God is building his church the larger the church. And God still has his, he is working in our lives individually. How we fit within the whole scheme of that, God knows. But whatever mistake we make along the way, come back to him. And if you happen, listen, if you happen to know any child of God that may be floundering out there because the devil is lying to them, or maybe other believers may be imposing some self-righteousness. You know, respect, love. Speaking that our Lord spoke about. Give them the truth. The truth is found in that Jesus loves us. 
and his grace is sufficient. And trust him that when we confess that he will take care of things. But we have to be honest before the Lord. Amen? Amen. That's what it is. Thank God for Calvary. Thank you, God, that we no longer need the blood of bulls and goats, an altar. Thank you, Jesus, that Jesus is our high priest. Thank you, God, that the Bible says we are all in sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But thank you, Jesus, that while we were yet in sin, listen, if while we were yet in sin, Christ died for us, how much more now that we are born again? We certainly will not despise his grace and his love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that when we put our faith in you, Lord Jesus, and what you did for us, the resurrected Christ, thank you, Father that we are born again. God says in his word, when we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we hear the gospel message, that truth that I just explained, that Jesus is our Savior, God says that he will seal us with his spirit. And this will guarantee that one day we'll be in heaven. Thank God for that. The voice that you're hearing when you hear the word of God, that is Jesus saying to you, I love you. There is no hurt in your life that Jesus cannot heal. There is no trauma in your soul that the Holy Spirit cannot heal. Because we belong to him. Thank you, Jesus. For those who are listening on our sermonaudio.com slash SRBC Outreach, thank you for listening. It is not by chance that you're listening to the word of God today, wherever you are around the world. This message, by the grace of God, will be archived, so it will always be there. If you're not saved, if you're not a child of God, that is, you put your faith in Jesus, come to him. Christ is inviting you to come to him. The resurrected Jesus is inviting you to come to him. The one through whom God bought everything that he promised, his plan of redemption to come to humanity through Israel as a nation, 
through delivering them, through a covenant that God made with Abraham, with a promise to Abraham. God says the promise was made not to the seeds, being national Israel, but to the seeds, singular, who is Jesus. Come to Jesus today. He loves you. Now let us pray for those who would be receiving Jesus today as your Lord and Savior. And I encourage you that when you pray, you believe in your heart. And you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Whatever nation you're in, whatever country around the world, this is the greatest truth coming to you, that God loves you. And he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to be your Savior. And you cannot make yourself righteous to enter God's heaven, because, but Jesus did it for you. But we have a choice, and our choice is to accept Jesus as our Savior. Let us pray. Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus, I come before you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your death, your burial, and your resurrection. Lord Jesus, by faith, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I confess you are the Christ, the Son of God. I receive this gift of eternal life by faith. In Jesus' name, I pray believing. Amen. God bless you.